Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Uh, tonight on V Radio, I will have three filmmakers who basically make uh, films for the Zeitgeist Movement to talk about this. Um, Doug Millette will be calling in at some point uh, via the switchboard. Uh, he hasn't done so yet. I imagine his number will show up soon, though. Um, in any case, I'm going to go ahead and let my, or actually before I get started, you know, please make sure to you know, visit bradio.org, b-radio.org. Uh, we're still looking for donations for the month. Thank you for everybody who has supported us there so far. Um, I've also been doing a lot more Zeitgeist TV. Uh, you can join us there. I play documentaries pertinent to the movement. I also have some new stuff that I'm pretty sure most of you have not seen, finally. Um, and I'll be broadcasting that stuff uh, fairly regularly. Just uh, if you join my Facebook group for V Radio, that's another thing. I recently put up a Facebook group for V Radio. I'm going to be posting bulletins there, news and things of that nature. So if you have a Facebook account, please feel free to add that uh, account to your Facebook. Um, looks like I've got Doug on the line here. I'll go ahead and connect him. Doug, is that you? Yes, sir, it is. Okay, excellent. I'll get right back to you. I'm just uh, still going through the news. Um, I confirmed with Peter Joseph that uh, he will be on TED Talks in March. Um, so that is still going through for sure. And uh, upcoming shows that I have, I just uh, confirmed with Robert Greenwald, the filmmaker from Outfoxed, Rupert Murdoch's War on Journalism, Walmart, The High Cost of Low Prices, uh, Iraq for Sale, The War Profiteers, Rethink Afghanistan. Um, I did have a show about Rethink Afghanistan earlier, but um, this is the actual director. Um, in addition, he's also made uh, Sick for Profit, uh, some of the other more recent films, but a great many films. I have a whole list, actually, of all the films that he has done that you guys would probably know about in the show description. Uh, that will be this Friday. Unfortunately, he can only be uh, with me for 30 minutes, but I'm very much looking forward to that interview. Um, I have talked to Peter, and I still have to confirm with Ben, but we are going to have another show at some point where I'm going to gather uh, Ben Stewart from Chimatica and Esoteric Agenda and Peter Joseph from Zeitgeist and Zeitgeist Addendum on the same show. Um, I may add some more filmmakers to that show as well. Uh, that one is, however, not coming up until after the release of Zeitgeist 3. So um, that all said, I'm going to go ahead and have each one of my uh, panelists introduce themselves. I'm going to start with Tom. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, I'm, I'm Tom Vine. Um, I recently, I wouldn't say made, you know, uh, we're using sort of different material, made a film called Our System, Our Structure, Our Illusion. Um, just a uh, you, you know, sort of a positive message, I feel, to give to people and help people. Um, I hate using the term wake up, but I don't know what else to use. But yeah, it's uh, a film. Um, I really I decided to make it anyway to um, more for the, sort of the people that I know just to under, you know, understand because I've obviously gone through uh, a lot of changes during this. So as much of that just to help people understand and um, maybe um, sort of change their outlook on a few things. So, yeah, um, if you go on YouTube and type in Our System, Our Structure, Our Illusion, um, you'll be able to watch the film there. Excellent. Um, I also have Aaron Moritz from Capitalism Epic Fail. Aaron, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Aaron. I have a website. It's uh, theinfiniteyes.com. You can watch that video and some other ones I've done. Some, Most of them are about the Zeitgeist Movement. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about capitalism at Big Fail. It's definitely the most popular one I did, but um, I just kind of wanted to make it more of a, I don't know, funny or fun way of putting those ideas across with the big emotional thing at the end. Right. You've seen it, I guess. And um, now I'm going to move on to Doug Millette, who obviously has been on our show several times. Uh, Go ahead and introduce yourself, Doug, since you do sound a little bit different on the switchboard as opposed to the Skype. Good point, yes. Uh, my name is Douglas Millette. I'm the creator of Awakening and Our Technical Reality and the uh, lecture series in Switzerland uh, regarding sustainable engineering, which is basically a Venus project push uh, to a conference in Switzerland. Uh, most people probably know who I am, so I'll just keep it simple. That's it. Excellent. Well, um, 
since I do have two new guests, I'm going to ask them the same question I ask every new guest that I bring on. Um, I'm going to start with you, Tom. Um, what was the precipice or the moment that got you thinking outside of the box? What got you, you know, off out of the American Idol and the, you know, the other distractions that we have? I mean, obviously, you probably don't watch American Idol in the UK, but um, you know what I'm talking about—the pop culture and into the the truth-seeking, you know, freedom culture. Um, well, I've always sort of had some interest in politics, I suppose. But um, what you can say the catalyst was um, some of my best mate, uh, Jason. It's a typical story, I think, for a lot of people here in the movement. Um, showed me the first Zeitgeist, and it wasn't so much, you know, that I watched that film and then realised that I knew all this stuff. It made me realise that I know absolutely. Am I allowed to swear? By the way, I was about to swear there, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, well, anyway, yeah, uh, it made me realise I knew fuck all, basically, and, um, and that uh, realising that 90 or 99% of the things that are shoved down our throat is just a yeah, load, just load of shit, basically. Um, and then, so it sort of, it took, a, you know, a, a couple of months, really, to that to sink in. Um and then I just spent a long time just looking or trying to learn about anything and everything sort of to, uh, to do with this. Um, and then what brought me to the movement was the, the second of film obviously came out. I watched it, and I think I probably had the same um, thoughts that a lot of people that yeah, it's nice, but you know it's you know unrealistic or whatever. Um, and then. It took when I was sort of working at a pretty sort of mundane job, and we could listen to our iPods while doing it. So I, I downloaded the Peter Joseph, uh, you know, um, podcast, and just listen, listening to that, it just yeah, that that's what uh, sort of got me really studying the Venus Project and learning about that. Um, and so yeah, it was it was a co combination really of of the of both the films, but not not just that. I spent you know a, a long time researching sort of other things and other researchers, I suppose, in, in this field. And um, and in doing that has made me a very different person now to say you know three four years ago, you know when when it first started. All right, um, Aaron, go ahead and uh, basically step forward and uh, give your answer to that question. Um, yeah, I like him. It's. Uh it's hard to pick an exact moment. I think like even all through high school and stuff, like nothing really like all made sense to me. You know, it seemed like everything that you were being told was kind of not right. There's something not right about it. And I didn't understand what it was that wasn't right. And even the first two Zeitgeist movies, I watched both of them and neither of them really, uh, like the second one, like he said, I thought it was an awesome idea, but I, maybe it's not really possible. And I don't think it was until the orientation guide that I fully understood um, that this could happen, that it was possible, and that there. from that point on, I started learning and reading more about it and about every subject I could think of because I wanted to actually start my education, you know, two years after I was out of high school. <laughs> right. Now, um, so obviously Zeitgeist Addendum. Now, um, you know, Doug, I don't remember if I ever asked you what uh, that question of basically was there a moment in particular that got you thinking about this sort of stuff? Was it Zeitgeist Addendum or you, were you always kind of out of, outside the box? Uh. February 2nd, 2.35 in the afternoon, 62 seconds. No, uh, it was <laughs> it was uh, a combination of things. Uh, it start, of course, I watched Zeitgeist when I was in college, and keeping in mind I went to college a little bit later in the game. I'm, I'm older than most of the people uh, and then a lot of the movement, but uh, not by too much, but still. And so... Uh, I watched I watched the originals. I guess I thought, well, that was interesting. I kind of thought the the religious correlations were interesting, controversial, but interesting. I'm not big on the conspiracy theory stuff, so I kind of bypassed some of that. And then I went and looked at the and then interested in the monetary stuff. But I, being the scientific engineer kind of person that I am, my initial thing was, great. There's a bunch of problems. Give me a solution. What do you got? Throw something up against the wall. And uh, then addendum came out. 
And then when Addendum came out, it took me a couple of months. It was out before I finally had the time to watch it, and I watched it, and that's when I learned about the Venus Project, and I went, aha. Now, being a sci-tech engineer guy, that made sense. That was a solution set while I was looking at it going, okay, you know, I know a lot of people are probably going to say, wow, this is impossible sci-fi nonsense, but given my education and background, I knew full well that every single thing they were talking about was practical and plausible and existed. Uh, because of, of my relevant education. And that's when I spent about three months, three to five months, really researching all of the aspects of the Venus Project. Um, there are still some things I don't agree with uh, that Jock talks about, but in a nutshell, I'd say 90% of it I'm on board with, especially the technical solutions, which will eventually bring about the social solutions. And so, you know, symptom and cure kind of scenario. So that's basically how it all happened. And it really only happened over the past year uh awakening when i made awakening that was my kind of moment i guess you could say uh, me making awakening was my way of saying i'm all in excellent well you know it was it was definitely a good film and i mean we've talked about it more than once actually here on the on the radio uh and you guys who want to listen to more of the shows that i had with mr millette you can go to my archives at vradio.org the hyphen radio.org and in the archive sections I've actually had dug in my show several times um, including probably one of the most popular shows in V Radio history which was based on you know no opinions uh, arrive at conclusions using the scientific method a show wherein I had Doug Peter Jacques and Roxanne all on the same show to discuss this topic so that being said um, Tom uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to get Domino's Falling Productions uh, started? Um, well, I think um, for me, when you're finding out, you come across all this different information, which um, you know, I wouldn't come across this, I just wanted to tell everyone about it, you know, and then I soon realized that, well, maybe it's, it's down two things, but, uh, you know, also down... I was, didn't have the ability to. I was still, still trying to gain that ability, you know, to to talk talk about it with someone and actually be able to get through to them. Um, and so, um, um, well, one of my loves has always been films, anyway. And I was coming across all this great material and was thinking, this is something uh, I can make a film that way. It's a much more efficient way of being able to talk to someone about it than saying a conversation we're having. So. Um, yeah, I started, I'm, I'm sort of currently working on two other films that will be out um, in a few months, hopefully, but uh, I started about the end of last year, so about a year ago, sort of collaborating, a lot of different material, um, and yeah, it was, I've, I've done this just to spread awareness, really, because, you know, we need to make our own media, because the established media, you know, isn't going to do it for us, so I suppose that's my reason. Yeah, we definitely talked about that when I had Terry on the show just the other day. And I, I want to reiterate, guys, um, I was hoping more of you would go check out Terry's show after the show I did with him. But you know, please uh, do check out uh, Zeitgeist, you know, basically ZMUK Radio. Uh, Terry does a great show. If you guys want us to be able to do this independent media, you're going to have to go over there and listen, because otherwise we're not going to bother. <laughs> um, anyway, that being said, uh, we'll move on to you, Aaron. What made you decide to make Capitalism Epic Fail? Um, well, I guess it started, like, I made my first video, which was basically just me reading a blog post I'd done a few months earlier, the I Refuse to Be Terrified, and um, it ended up getting a lot more hits than I really ever thought it would, and I just thought, okay, maybe this is something I can do, and I started making more videos. Uh, capitalism, that one actually I threw together fairly quickly compared to most of my other ones. Like, I wrote the part that I spoke in, like, half an hour. And I think most of the time I uh, was taken up doing the animations uh, during the speech that that preacher gives about Monopoly and his grandmother. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, no, it was just a natural progression, I guess, from uh, the previous videos I made. And um, I, thought I, also, I thought of the title first, actually, before anything else. I was like, that's a really good title. I have to make a video for this title. <laughs> right. Well, um, I guess um, I kind of wanted to open a dialogue for everybody to, 
share their experiences. And you know, one of the other things I just you know, we we talked about each one of the videos. You can see capitalism epic fail. I threw it in the uh, must see TV section on my website. Uh, Awakening. Uh, one of the parts is available there, and you can find the rest of them pretty easily on YouTube. Um, in addition to that, uh, Tom, you just started your your YouTube channel, and I know that you're working towards eventually putting your you know collage, basically your video collage, um, available on on Vimeo eventually. Is that correct? Um, yeah, well, I'm hoping to get a website set up for it as well. Um, but obviously, I'm doing this on, uh, as you can probably tell, with on the film anyway, with no budget. So um, that will be that will be coming. Uh, but yeah, with Vimeo, I will be. But then um, I need to upgrade to you know Vimeo Plus account first. So, but I, w I will be. It will be up there. Excellent. Now. Um I guess what exactly, as far as how much time? You know, like for example, Doug, how long did a awakening take? About two weeks, from start really? to finish. About two I wrote. Weeks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what an asshole! Two weeks? No. Um, yeah, it, it took me like a, a really. Well, okay. A lot of it was based off of uh, uh, things I had already said in random posts and stuff. So a lot of it was already uh, written, and then and, I, and then I found uh, um, you know additional materials, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to write up a script. So I put together a script literally in like a day. I wrote the whole thing in about a day, and then I did a couple of revisions, and then I just started grabbing materials and putting it together. Fortunately, I know enough about some visual effects software packages because of my Star Wars fan film that, that I already I kind of had a knowledge base so I didn't have to teach myself a whole lot of stuff so it didn't take that's why it only took two weeks if I had to teach myself like Adobe After Effects you know animation techniques and things like that it probably would have taken me a month or two to learn how to do that but fortunately I already had that knowledge base so I was able to just crank out what I wanted really quick and put it all together. Um, and it was it was basically previous experience that enabled me to do it so fast. So that's main, mainly why it only took about two weeks to do it. Yeah, I can't hear anything either. Yeah, we're not, not hearing you there, Neil, mate. Sorry about that. It sounds like uh, Doug disconnected. Um, anyway, and it looks like he's back now. But um, let me go ahead and bring him on. Is that you again, Doug? Yep, sorry about that. You went instantly invisible there for a second, so I hung up and called back because I couldn't hear you at all. Sorry about that. Um, one of the things I was asking was, um, what uh, you, you mentioned a program that you would use to help you. Um, what basically, just like, what kind of tools did you use to make Awakening? Oh, uh, I used all the Adobe suites, Adobe After Effects for a lot of the graphics, Adobe Premiere Pro to put everything together, Adobe Audition to uh, mix together the soundtrack, some of the soundtrack parts, uh, so I could equalize them and, and change their decibel levels so that they wouldn't be overbearing, uh, and then when you put everything in Adobe Premiere Pro, it allows you to uh, uh, still adjust volumes and, and set levels and things like that, too. And so, I mean, even my first run of Awakening, the one that I have out there, the quote-unquote, like the most popular one, I guess you could say, the first one, is uh, that volume's a little too high on the uh, on the soundtrack, uh, but I, I thought it was going to be okay, but I got a lot of feedback, so I actually made a newer version with lower volumes, that's actually what I'm sending you. Uh, that's uploading right now to that uh, transfer uh, site that we were talking about. So you're going to get the one that's got the better adjusted volume. That's also the one that I've been using to burn DVDs when we go and do local events and things like that uh, here in Houston. So uh, that was kind of a learning process. I thought it was okay, but it wasn't. <laughs> so I fixed it. But, um, you know, I'm not going to pull down the version that I have up on YouTube now and put up the new one because the one that's up there now has over 50,000 hits and it's been spread globally. So changing it now is kind of stupid. I'm not going to do that. Right. Well, um, I guess the 
the next question would, I mean, are you going to put this new version up on Vimeo then, all at one, like all in one piece? Uh, oh, it's already people. Other people have already put it up on Vimeo all in one piece. I don't have to. Um, it's oh, okay. it's on dot, it's on dot sub in in all languages and in pieces. It's on uh, and and as one whole uh, shot too. The thirty minute version is also on dot sub. The thirty minute version is also on Vimeo. The thirty minute version is also on YouTube, hosted by another guy who has that capability. You know, some accounts have that capability and some don't. Um, I don't. I would basically have to go through the route of getting uh, uh, verified or whatever and have advertising on my page and all that other crap, and I really don't feel like dealing with all that. So, But another guy has posted the full 30-minute version of Awakening. I can't remember his screen name off the top of my head, his channel on YouTube, but it's it's also up there, uh, un, unbroken, not in parts. So it, it's out there enough to where I don't really have to do it anymore. All right. Now, um I guess I'm going to ask the same question of you, Aaron. Um, what tools did you use to make capitalism epic fail? Um, might be kind of a boring answer. It's the exact same thing that Doug just said. Uh, the Adobe Suite, like all of those programs, and even Photoshop for like parts of it, it they all uh, link together really well. They have this dynamic link feature that you can kind of work on things in After Effects, and it automatically updates in Premiere. There, it's a really great program set. Um, all right, and uh, I guess, I mean, Tom, are we going to get a similar answer from you? Did you pretty much use the same tools? Um, yeah, I used uh, Sony Vegas Pro just for editing because um, I'm, 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 a, I'm an amateur, you know, um, and I've just picked up and learned as I've gone along. Um, with a lot of, you know, uh, with a lot of thanks to uh, Dennis E. Avatar as well because he's sort of helped me with sort of learning how to edit. So, um, yeah, I just I just used that. Right. Now, yes, Sony Vegas is a good program. Another good program is Final Cut Pro for the Mac users. Final Cut Pro is great for that, and then Sony Vegas is also another great. Avid is also another good one, A-V-I-D. Yeah. Now, um, one of the reasons I had wanted to do this show was to try to encourage more people to get on the air, uh, you know, in different formats. If you feel more comfortable making videos, then by all means. I know I, I wish I had the, the, the skills and the tools necessary to make videos. I'd love to make videos. Um, and it's it's kind of important to every you know that everybody you know takes this opportunity to make these videos because in many cases you know there are people who are going to accomplish. I'm sorry, they're going to notice. You know, they're going to accomplish. Look into the into the movement because of these. And YouTube in particular, you know, you're, you do get a lot of wide distribution that way. Uh, people will just stumble across it when they're looking at things with other tags. And different approaches, I mean, like, you know, like you had said, Aaron, about the, you know, having a more humorous approach um, to, the, to this was one way of get, reaching people who may or may not necessarily identify with a more uh, heady or wordy approach. Um, that's actually something like on V Radio in particular. I get a lot of emails from people who say that they, they like the way that I am able to break down Venus Project principles into a bit more simple terms for them um, or to give them analogies that they can relate to, and that's really important. Um, I had uh, EJ on my show, my last show with Terry. He called in towards the end, and, you know, he's from an African-American background, and I told him, you know, because I talked to him in length after the show was over. I'm like, wow, you know, you've really got to do a show because you come from a culture that's not as well represented and you'll be able to relate to people who, you know, may not, who would may be turned off by listening to some of us talk, but they might be interested in hearing you talk. And that's why Jacques actually stated, um, and when he talks about spreading the word about the Venus Project, that you need to have different films for every culture. It's not just about translating the languages. You need to understand how to uh, relate to every culture and its own values particularly when it comes to approach. I mean, like, for example, you know, uh, some cultures may be more patriarchal. Well, obviously, you don't want to jump all over their, their beliefs about that. You have to find other ways to convince them that they should be egalitarian in their approach when it comes to, you know, the genders. Uh, some cultures might be extremely religious. Well, maybe the first chapter of your movie being about debunking religion might not be in your best interest to try to reach those people. Um, and, and that's why, you know, it's important, you know, and the language thing is another really important thing that I, I hope that we get more people dealing with, which is why when I had Al on 
from Mexico. We did the Once Upon a Time in Mexico show. You know, I've tried to encourage him that we need people, you know, also of different languages, you know, and different cultures who are doing their own radio shows, their own videos. Uh, this stuff is all really important to the future of the movement. And I want to thank all of you for the effort that you've put in because it's, it's helped us a great deal. Um, so now, as far as like experiences, what kind of uh, feedback, you know, I'm going to feedback experiences that stick out in your head have you gotten so far, Doug? The the number one one that I get is the fact that it's only 30 minutes long. And that's, that's exactly what, that was like 80% of my point in making it 30 minutes long was the fact that it's only 30 minutes long. Um, okay. I wanted, do what? What? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry, go ahead. And so, okay, so yeah, it was, uh, and so that's a lot of the feedback I got is, wow, you know, I can show this to people and it's quick and it hits all the points and it gets them thinking and then, of course, at the end it drives them to go into further detail um, because, as we all know, n none of us are going to create a video that is going to cover everything because then it'd be about a five-day long video nonstop, and so. <laughs> Uh, the best thing we can do is highlight some of the, the key points, and what I wanted to do was consolidate it down to a much faster, hard-hitting, historically-based context, kind of showing the evolution of why we're in the mess that we're in, at least from the American viewpoint, because that's all I can really talk about. I don't know. I'm not living in other countries, so I've got to come at it from my point of view. And and really, that was the, the biggest uh, positive feedback, I guess you could say, is the fact that it's short but still hits everything. Uh, the only negatives I got, um, most of them actually was on like sound quality and things like people complaining about really irrelevant stuff. I mean, yeah, you sometimes still get your trolls that just want to, you know, complain for the sake of complaining, and then they don't bring any argument to the table whatsoever. Um, that is honestly why I disabled comments on my video on my YouTube channel because I don't have time to deal with that like five of them a day from one schmuck who wants to just be a douchebag and so at some point you've got to make the conscious effort and decision to say look it's not worth dealing with those people all the time you're not going to convince them all you're going to do is load up your comment box with a whole bunch of nonsense and an argument back and forth with somebody whose sole purpose is to just flame, and all it's going to do is if you get uh, um, somebody who knows nothing about it come on and watch that video and they start reading the comments, they, if they read the comments first before they watch the video, they're going to already have a negative opinion. They could anyway, and and you don't want that because now you're you basically shot down the whole thing by having arguments with idiots. So that's why I turned off the comments. Some people don't like that, but I really don't care. So that's, I mean, that's really how that boiled down. Yeah, with uh, dealing with Brandy's experiences with comments on YouTube, I certainly understand where you're coming from there. I mean, it, it, it definitely has been um, invaluable. I guess, you know, it's memorable as far as, you know, negative and positive is, is why I'm going I'm to go for, uh, you know, Aaron, um, what kind of feedback have you gotten about capitalism epic fail? Um, well, like mostly like overwhelmingly positive, but I think, you know, most of that's from member movement or members of the movement. And uh, the video was actually posted on David Icke's site and that jumped the view count up like almost by 8,000. And uh, I did, still didn't get too many negative comments. Um, the only real argument that I think anyone has posted in there is that the system I describe is not capitalism per se as Adam Smith described it it's you know state sponsored corporatism or it's this and and I admit I'm like yeah that's true it's kind of what capitalism has morphed into now right that's that's definitely true I and mean, I the funny thing is though and we talk about this all the time is that they often say well this isn't free market capitalism and I kind of point out well you know Soviet communism wasn't you know what Marx envisioned either you know, obviously National Socialism really doesn't have anything in common with mainstream socialism, that would be the Nazi party, but it tends to be the direction that things go if you're going to use a monetary system. Exactly, uh, yeah. You know, and that's why it just it keeps heading in that direction. And the funny thing is, 
you know, and when I, when I particularly when I talk to free market capitalists, I, I, I ask them, I'm like, you know, so you're telling me that we should just throw a lever and turn off all of the regulations and uh, and get on sound money as things are right now? And of course, that's what they want. You know, they want all the markets freed up, and they think everything will be great. And as I pointed out on my post Rudy Davis interview show, if we went to sound money and free market right now. It would be like playing a game of Monopoly where almost everybody in the game only has about $100, and everybody in like, you know, and then like two players out of, say, seven have 40% of the money available in the game at the start of the game. You know, how exactly would that ever work? You know, it certainly wouldn't set up equality. Um, and that's, I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, when they say they want to turn to sound money, how are, or what's going to happen to the assets of everybody on the planet who's already owns things based on the, you know, the, the fractional reserve system, you know, which you, you can't. I mean, if you just threw a lever or tried to do that, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell all the rich people, oh, by the way, the billions of money you have, well, they don't exist anymore. You know, they're, they're never going to go along with that. I mean, and if, and if you just decide to say, well, we're just never going to print any more money, then you still have the problem of, oh, well, they they still start at the game at like you know it's a hundred meter dash and they're already at the ninety meter mark <laughs> and the rest of us are all behind them. Um, so I'm going to ask the same feedback question of you, Tom. Um, I mean I know that you just kind of got started. Um, have you had any you know, uh, memorable feedback for your film? Um, I have from from Doug actually, but uh, I haven't had much feedback now because I uh, posted it on um, Sunday and. It's a long film, you know. It's a bit over two hours, so it's a, you know a lot to expect, you know, someone to, you know, uh, use their time spending it. Um, but yeah, the one feedback I liked from uh, Doug, uh, Doug was asking about um, why I used, um, you know, Al- Alex Jones at, at the at the end. Uh, I don't know if you can recall that scene, but um, where he was talking about. Um, he says, "I know why you don't want to open up to this information, because it's scary, but." got to come to a decision um i can understand that obviously given um alex's view of you know, the, the zeitgeist movement which you only need to go onto the peter, peter joseph um interview just to realize um that alex is still stuck in his own sort of belief systems um but it's not so much in there to promote alex in any way it's just that that scene and the message that he's saying just sort of fits into well as, as a sort of uh there's an ending, really, but yeah, I'm still. I've, I, it's still early days. I've really not had much feedback at all yet. Right. No, and I, actually, I had the same thinking uh, when I saw that. It was like, uh oh, Alex Jones, and then it was what he was talking about. That you know, you're right. It does make a good point, which is that most people are not ready to deal with this. It's it's just like that scene where Morpheus is explaining to Neo, you know, that most of these people are plugged into this system and they're not ready to be unplugged, and they will act to protect this system. You know, um, the very people that we're trying to save. That that whole movie, when you think about it, was really metaphorical in a lot of ways, um, which the Freedom movie, I haven't finished watching it yet, it's like three hours long, uses quotes from The Matrix and then puts them what I think is in the proper context uh, throughout the film. And uh, that's important, too, because we get people who will be like, didn't you see The Matrix? You know, going to machines is a bad idea. And they, they totally fail to understand that the matrix that the Wachowski brothers were trying to expose us to was essentially an allegory or a analogy for the concept that reality that we live in is a matrix that, you know, our reality is being controlled by people who essentially, you know, have a certain purpose for us. So, um, you know, that being said now, you know, since Doug happens to be on the call, um, I mean, Doug, do you, do you feel that that explanation of why Alex Jones was in the film is, uh, sheds light? Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, you know, I, I gave feedback to Tom relatively quickly. The moment he said that he made a film, I, I found a, a moment to watch it all, and then I went through it. And by the way, it is very well put together. I think the transitions between scenes and cuts and the soundtrack is even better than what I put together. Um, so massive props to Tom for, for what he's done. It's a really, really good film with a lot of fantastic information. And so, um, you know, but yeah, the, I saw the... I saw <laughs> the Alex Jones bit, and I'm like, oh, man, I hate that guy. <laughs> Just like, because, you know, 
10 to, 10 to 20 percent of what comes out of that guy's mouth is probably okay and, and makes sense and is understandable. And then you've got the other 80 percent, which is the ranting and ravings of a lunatic on a religious binge who has so many profit-based motives in his own website, yet he rails about the very system he's sucking from like a vampire. So, you know, it's like, look, you hypocritical douchebag. You want to yell at us about what we're talking about. Look at what the hell you're doing. You know, he, all he is is a sensationalist radio DJ. He just happens to be loudmouthed enough to be popular. Um, and, you know, a lot of people kind of cling on to the conspiracy theory stuff. And when you start going down the Illuminati track and the Freemason track and all this other stuff, you're going to glom on an audience that will be dedicated. Um, <clears throat> and then he gets to sell stuff. Yay for him. But I find him to be very disingenuous in a lot of what he says because he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. And so, you know, however, with that said, sometimes what he says, like in that statement that he that Tom included in the film, does have is is an important, relevant statement. And it could have been given by Grover from Sesame Street and it would have been just as relevant. So that's okay. In fact, if you want to superimpose Grover on that, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, with Alex Jones, and um, you know, with the, the sort of stuff that's happening with uh, Charlie Veach, obviously I use a lot of um, love police material in there. Um, obviously his sort of rant. Um, well, obviously he's apologised and come out, you know, and he's sort of brave for that. And I think, especially with uh, Charlie Veach, anyway, that what he does going out on the megaphone, you know. He, even though he's got you know got things wrong, um, you know he's doing he's he's a brave man you know they're going out there on a the megaphone and you know uh, I I, res- I respect that and um, with Alex Jones I, I disagree with a lot of what he says and um, I really I lost all all respect from him not all respect but, you know I lost so much respect from after the Pete Joseph um, but he's waking you know he's waking people up and it's just I, the worrying thing is that people can get locked on to to him as a personality and use only him as their source of information um and and obviously that that sort of um it just it narrows their point of view and cuz that but nevertheless at least one positive about it is that he's getting people to think differently which is you know a very important thing and right. I want to add something to that really quick because I know you just said something that, you know, detractors of, of our movement might actually say the same thing about us. Oh, well, you're just listening to Jacques Fresco and all of his rantings and following the personality of the Venus Project or Peter Joseph. Where I diverge from that is we we say they aren't exactly the leaders. What the Venus Project does is bring together a lot of sources of information from creditable sources from various places to prove our point. Uh I don't I don't see a lot of that from from others. And so, you know, we just gotta make sure we walk that fine line where we don't become a cult of personality movement and we become just a movement of message bringing forth various sources, no matter who the voice is, which is, you know, probably probably one of the primary reasons why you, Neil, wanted to have this show in the first place, is to press upon people that everybody needs to start talking. There are no leaders of this movement. Some of us might be more vocal and might be more popular only because of things we've done, but you know what? Anybody else could have made Awakening. Anybody else could have made Capitalism Epic Fail. Anybody can do that. You never know if what you're gonna what you're gonna make. I mean, like I told my dad when I made Awake, Awakening, I'll be lucky if I get 50 people to watch it uh, in the first week, and I had like 500 the first day. You know, so how how am I supposed to know? You don't know its impact until you get it out there. So you've got to make stuff, quality stuff, and get it out there. That's how you get the message. Yeah, pushed. definitely. Like I had said, I'd never, I'd never made videos before. I'd never even thought of it as something I could do. I just tried with my first one, and people liked it, so I kept going. Right. Now, um, my own comments about Alex is that um, basically 
one of the problems is that just that it's obvious that he, he's kind of in it for the money and the sensationalism and all that, it actually does some damage to us. That's the only thing that I'm concerned about. You know, he behaved himself pretty well on Jesse Ventura's recent episode of Conspiracy Theory. Um, he didn't do his yelling and screaming rants and things of that nature. But um, basically, uh, I mean, in addition to the things like, you know, Peter talks about, you know, I guess he is a mole in Alex's uh, institution, you know, basically the, the group of people that work for him. And one of the things that they saw was that uh, – you know, people who were working for Alex Jones, they ran out of these autographed copies of some one of his movies. So he had employees, you know, forging his signature for him because he didn't have the time to do these own autographed copies. You know, uh, supposedly he lives pretty high on the hog. That's the only reason that it bothers me. I think that the biggest problem with it, I mean, I don't even necessarily have a problem with people, you know, making a decent living off of doing something like spreading awareness and being an educator. I mean, we all have to support ourselves in this system um, that, that still very much works on money. I mean, Jacques and Roxanne, you know, I guess the major difference this would be is that if you've ever been to their home, their lifestyle that is provided for them essentially through donations and the Venus Project is utterly devoted to the Venus Project and really nothing else. Um, they, when you go to their home, and I, I don't mean for tours, you go visit them, it's all they're doing all day long is the Venus Project, the Venus Project, the Venus Project. Every cent is accounted for and obvious. They don't, like, they didn't even have a TV in the home that they live in on the, on the site. I only saw one television the entire time I was there, and it was in the guest house. And they don't just sit around, you know, watching television shows. I mean, I imagine they, they must at some point, but the point is, is that their lifestyle is pretty much devoted entirely to that. Alex has got jet skis and lives on a lake and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And I just, that's where it becomes somewhat of a problem, particularly when it's clear that, you know, like I remember the Bohemian Grove film uh, that really just made me laugh. You know, I just, if it was really this evil, insidious cult thing that he said that it was, he would have been dead as fried chicken when he snuck into that thing. You know, yeah. seriously. All herbs and spices provided, dead as fried chicken. If it was this evil satanic cult, okay, I just you know is something going on there? Do the elite show up there? Yeah, probably. You're trying to tell me that a group of elite that's supposedly bent on world destruction would not have recognized him? He was walking around this thing in broad daylight, you know, with his hidden cameras and stuff. You know, I just it's and, it, and the spooky music he used for it. It was like something out of the Blair Witch Project. And I, that's where you run into a problem that I'm like, okay, this guy is obviously exploiting people. And, and, you, and I take it with a grain of salt because some of the stuff that he does I think is great. You know, like his uh, Operation Urban Warrior. I mean, mind you, in order for me to enjoy Operation Urban Warrior or learn from it, I pretty much have to filter him out the entire time. But he got the film of the way that we train troops not just from the United States, but foreign troops as well, on how to go about, you know, executing a police state without any spin on his part. Just watching the footage itself is incredibly damning. The stuff that they had the troops doing, the stuff that the soldiers said, the stuff that, you know, that, that they themselves were putting out over their loudspeakers, attention, 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 uh, we will not tolerate civil disobedience, you know, was one of the things that the troops were saying on their loudspeakers, civil disobedience is the right to protest. So in other words, they're conditioning soldiers to think that it's perfectly fine to not tolerate civil disobedience. You know, that's, that in of itself is really scary, but I had to sift through a lot of the Alex Jones sensationalism to get there. And sometimes that makes me wonder, you know, I'm like, if this guy was absolutely right, why is he not dead? And if he is absolutely right and he's not dead, is he a shill? You know, is he some kind of plant? That's the questions you ask yourself. And that's why I've always, after learning, like, for example, I used to think Michael Moore was a pretty decent filmmaker, and I still like some of his stuff. But after I watched a documentary that was put together by some Canadians who actually originally intended on making a film about him because they thought he was a cool guy, the more they studied about him, the more they found out that a great deal of the material in his films was absolute fiction. Uh, the Roger and Me, I believe it is, is the one about Flint, Michigan and all that. 
you know, um, he staged a, uh, like, you, you remember one of the events in that film, uh, supposedly a disgruntled auto worker stole a news van so that the news company would report about, you know, the, the status of them shutting down all the plants in Flint. The problem is, is that the, the guys who were doing this, this Canadian documentary found that the entire thing was staged, that it never happened, that he hired an actress to behave as though she were a news reporter. The entire thing was fiction. And the reason that this is such a big problem is that it makes you worry about the fact, is, is, our, is the truth being packaged along with sensationalist nonsense because they don't want anybody to listen? You know, and when you really think about that, they've done a really good job of demonizing people who talk about 9-11. You know, you talk about that, and, you know, like, and, and man, will they ever twist that around on you. Like, they wanted to get rid of Ron Paul early in the debates. Ron Paul suggested that the hijackers attacked us on 9-11 because of our foreign policy. Oh, gasp, what an original idea that they might be mad at us for bombing their countries on a regular basis and sanctioning them. I mean, that can't possibly be true. And then the story went from Ron Paul didn't like our foreign policy into Ron Paul, you know, was a 9-11 truther and, you know, believed the government was in on it. The only part of that that, that, that that is true is that Ron Paul does believe that some people obviously made some very big mistakes in the government. He does not believe the government intentionally did anything. He thinks that the reason that the uh, investigation was so terrible is that some people were covering their derrieres, just to be blunt. Um, that people were covering their backsides because, you know, in order, in order for the official story to be true, a lot of people had to have been asleep at the wheel. Now, that gets spun into, you know, supposedly the government did it and all that other crap it, that Ron Paul has never said. Those words have never escaped his mouth. You know, but, and then, but they use that as a means to try to discredit him, and then therefore people don't even you know, listen to anything else he says. I mean, for the most part, they've failed. I mean, now there's more uh, awareness of the Federal Reserve than there ever has been in history. You know, um, so in, in any case, um, I'm going to go back to, uh, you know, at this point, um, just because I've heard a little bit less from you, Tom, do you, do you have anything to comment so far, everything we've been talking about as far as films and their production? Um, on the spot there. So what, uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what you're asking. Um, about about what just what, the, the the documentary film industry the you know the way that it's perceived you know things along that line. Um, well, uh, I don't know. Um, certainly. You want me to take uh, a swing at it? <laughs> Go, Go on for then. it. John, Doug, take it. <laughs> think about your answer. I'll ask you again later. Go ahead, Doug. I would say the most okay. important thing for us to do is to always make videos with the utmost integrity and not do that sensationalist crap that you were talking about. Don't stage anything. Don't fake anything. Make sure every source that you cite is a legitimate source. Don't make anything up. If you're going to make a video to support the tenets of the resource-based economy of what the Venus Project envisions and the Zeitgeist Movement's purpose, then you had damn well better make sure that you're making a video that is so ironclad tight with its facts and its figures and its information that it cannot possibly be twisted in any way by anybody, period. If, if, anybody, if anybody tries to just start making stuff up on the fly to make it sound cool or to be cool or whatever or to sensationalize it, we are going to shoot ourselves in the foot. And so that's why people really need to be mindful of the kinds of videos that they create. I think that's one of the most important aspects. They actually know what you're talking about is kind of important. You know, don't, don't spin anything, don't fudge anything, don't make anything up. You know, if you want to express your opinion, that's a little different. But don't put yourself in a position where you're going to discredit the entire movement because of it. That, that's a very right. important guideline. And there, now, and there are now, ways Tom, to say. You, oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I said there are no, ways no, to ahead. say. There are ways to say your opinion. Seriously, just by coming out and saying it's my opinion, you know, or I believe, or I think, or this isn't necessarily what the Venus Project says, or whatever. But this is how I believe, or whatever. There's ways to make videos that are opinion-based videos. But when you're making documentary kind of style things where you're pushing raw information. That's where you need to jump off the opinion bandwagon and go strictly with the facts. Right. Yeah. 
Now, Tom, did you have anything to comment off of that? Yeah, uh, well, just going back to, you know, have every, you know, the information nailed down and, you know, you can back it up. I, I fully agree with that, but there's no matter how right or correct that you're putting, people are going to, you know, it's unavoidable that people are going to twist it and, you know, um, take something um, out of context. You know, that's going to happen. It's unavoidable, but... Obviously, you're right. You've got to get things, you know, as accurate as po as you possibly can. But um, also saying that this is something, you know, video editing or, you know, although I, I don't I don't really cast myself as a filmmaker because I, I've not like I've not made that material. It's a collaboration. But it's something. Uh, if you've got the if you've got a laptop, you've got the internet. That's all you need. You can do. You can make it yourself. I mean, you can learn. Uh, you know, just learn by using the internet. Um, there's plenty of software that you can download at, at no cost. Um, and really, it's it's not something that um, not something that uh, you need a sort of um, experience on. You can pick it up and do it yourself, and you can make a two-minute clip. You can make you know whatever whatever you want. It's it's not. You know, at first it may seem like you know um, I did and. I was like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm, I'm doing, and I didn't know. But you know, as time goes on, and you learn, pick up, you know, tips on how to do things, and um, yeah, it's it, you don't have to be a professional to do it. Anyone can. So I would encourage people just to give it a go and give it a try, and see, see if it's something that they like, because um, the media and the, we, we can only um, put out information. We can't. We haven't got the power to do anything else at the moment. So, for me, uh, film and music are the two things for me that are most important to get people um, to get the information out there because that they're the two sort of mediums which, uh, but it's, with, yeah, with film and music, people's barriers tend to um, be lowered a little bit, and um, they can sit there and just be more willing to hear new ideas where. In a conversation, I don't know, all, all the sort of bullshit you get with, I don't know, when two people... Uh, come up. Yeah, exactly. So, um, for me, they're the two best mediums, and I think we should really be... And it's happening, you know, um, especially... Um, I'm loving some of uh, Douglas' lyrics and his music. I mean, there no. needs to be... And no offence, no offence to... Uh, your rapping's actually improved a lot um, recently, but it would you know, be great if... Um, Sort of a sort of a, a more sort of um, so a, a well-known rapper could pick those up because the lyrics oh, those yeah. really are uh, ten out of ten. Oh, oh well, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I, I really want to get a brother to uh, <laughs> to do it because I just don't have the voice for it. So I need to get a brother from another mother to step up and do the lyrics. <laughs> That's funny. I'll talk to EJ about it. Maybe he can help you. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say one more thing about um, uh, Aaron's uh, clip because I used the um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Aaron, but I used no, the I end clip with the Monopoly game. That is uh, one of, if not the favourite scene of mine. You know, f for me in that film, it's just the, the music, the way that's been put together is uh, fantastic. So yeah, really good job. That, that's very true, Aaron. I'm, I'm, thank you for bringing that up, actually, because that was the other thing is that that perfect circle song, "Together We'll Cross the River." I, I sent that to Peter, and I was like, you know, this could be one of our theme songs or anthems for the freedom movement. Um, that song is just awesome, and I've shared it with some friends afterwards, and it's just it's just a great song. Uh, Ben Stewart from Climatic and Esoteric Agenda, I sent it to him, and he, he really likes that song, too. So, um, And I, the, the way that the music flowed together in that particular scene was really great. And, and also that, that whole lecture, the whole thing about the Monopoly game, as, as he just pointed out, was, was really powerful, you know, the, the way that he tells that story. And I guess that guy's a pastor. I mean, I'd never heard of him before your video. Um, what can you tell us about that guy? Um, actually, I got the clip from uh, another Neanderthal cousin. Uh, he's on YouTube. He made the Mars Project videos. You guys seen that? Um, I was hoping he somebody did another would bring video. up Neanderthal. <laughs> I, I love his channel. Um, he made a video a while back called Chasing Colorful Pieces of Paper, and he used the same clip, and I just kind of took it because I thought it worked perfectly with the video I was making. Um I think Peter used it on his 
show once too, if I remember right, on one of his podcasts. But that was a while ago, I think. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And I, you know, um, whoever that guy is, I mean, I don't know if he's still alive or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm against he was some kind of religious leader or something as well. And I know that the funny thing is, and this is something that actually gets it gets kind of buried, and I talked to Rudy Davis a little bit about this because he's one of those Christian capitalists, which is this weird contradiction in terms. Um, that's something else that Michael Moore exposed in Capitalism, a Love Story, is he couldn't find a single person in his church, you know, as far as, like, he went up to the bishop, and he couldn't find anybody who who didn't think that capitalism was, was really not Christian at all. I mean, they flat out said it was just sinful. Um and that's why, you know, the when when you watch, I believe it was in Century of Self, they go over how these propaganda experts um, did a great job of somehow linking the concept of capitalism and selfishness and all that directly to Christianity. And whether you're anti-religion or not, um, one of the anthropological facts about Christianity that most people are not aware of is that the first Christians were communists. Um, in the Acts of the Apostles, they give up all their possessions and uh, live together on a commune, basically. Right. You know, and that's that's crazy. You know, that 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 but somehow got changed instead into, you know, the people who basically are the money changers in the temple that Jesus would have thrown out. You know, that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to find his way into heaven. You know, and you talk, you know, you listen to the Rudy Davis interview, and here you have a guy who's obviously an extremely devout Christian. I mean, he only pointed it out probably 50 billion times. And on the same token, was also a big fan of Ayn Rand. How the hell do you pull that off? You know, <laughs> how should you be for Christ and Ayn Rand? That's like saying you're for Hitler and for Martin Luther King. It, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but they, they, the right-wing conservative movement in particular has done a really good job of trying to say it's good Christian values to not give a damn about anybody but yourself. You know, and that's why I had to, you know, unfortunately for him, I, I used to be a Christian, so I know a lot of the Bible, and I, he was like, well, you know, Christ doesn't want us just to give stuff to people who are just, you know, sitting around doing nothing, you know, and I was like, well, I don't, you know, there are plenty of people who don't have anything to eat who are not sitting around doing nothing. Um, and I said, how much... You know, work did those people that Jesus fed with that fish and bread, you know, like a one loaf of bread and like a couple of fish that somehow multiplied itself magically, you know, how many, how much did he ask out of them, you know, and he paused for a moment, you know, anybody, he had a canned response, you know, that was going to essentially get around to saying, oh, well, well, yeah, I don't really think that was an indication that anybody should be lazy, and I'm just like, they still don't understand, and that's a very big Ayn Randian point, is that everybody who is in poverty must be lazy. And that's why, you know, you, you put that in capitalism epic fail, too, was like, you know, you show the picture of the starving African child, you know, like as if they had some opportunity to change their situation. You know, yeah, that exactly. if, if they had just worked harder, that everything would be fine. That was just ridiculous. You just put it in plain English. You're like, if you're born with no money, you're you're, yeah. you're going to starve. Yeah, yeah, that African yeah, kid needs to get a damn loan and go to college. <laughs> <laughs> right. He needs to get a job, you know, with his, at, with his at Arby's. like, you know, big belly and, you know, obviously. And that's just, you know, and actually somebody just pointed out something kind of funny in the chat room, you know, the idea that Jesus would ever advocate that anybody would be armed, you know, even though he went to his death. You know, stating those who live by the sword die by the sword. I mean, there's so many different, you know, problems with that. But, all right, we're, we're down to the last 90 seconds, and um, we can go over a little bit just to make sure that on the archive everybody's able to give these links out. I'm going to start with you, link to where people can check out your video. Uh, okay, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash saydaysago2008. Uh, but it might be easier to just go to my website, which is theinfiniteyes.com. And uh, so, yeah, um, if you go to, um, well, you can go to YouTube and type "Our System, Our Structure, Our Illusion," and you'll find it. Or the channel is called Dominoes Falling Prods. Um, and there's also a, uh, if you type in Dominoes Falling Productions on Facebook, you'll get the page. Um, but a website, you know, uh, will be coming. Um, um, one more thing I would like to say, just to 
some of the people that have uh, made um, well the clip material that I've used um, and anyone who's sort of um, owns that material. Um, so I haven't asked anyone for permission to use it because I felt that it would be it would have been dishonest of me to ask because you know I would have used it anyway. So, but uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, but thank you, Aaron, for your material in that because um, that's one of my favourite bits. So. And Doug, I'm, I'm, I, most of the people here have seen Awakening, but by all means, go ahead and share your link too. Sure. My YouTube channel is TZM, as in the Zeitgeist Movement, Social Evolution. TZM Social Evolution. I post everything to that. I don't have a website. Um, I am working on another video, which hopefully will be coming out soon in the near future. Stand by on that. All right, guys. Well, um, thank you, both, you know, all three of you, for coming on. The people in the chat room have said thank you and continue to make all these great videos. And to those of you who are listening, if you've been considering making a video, if you've been considering getting your own radio show, uh, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me if you need to get on the radio. I can teach you how to use blog talk. You know, I don't want to be the only guy doing this by any stretch of the imagination. I want to see people from all over the place doing this. So um, that being said, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please visit vradio.org. That's v hyphen or v minus radio.org, v dash radio.org. Um, there you can see archives of shows just like this one and my must-see TV list of free documentaries to watch online. Uh, anyway, thank you, everybody, for coming on. Uh, you guys can all say goodbye now. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> see you then. All right. Thanks for coming on. I'll leave you guys with some parting words from Roxanne Meadows and Jacques Fresco. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jacques Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.